to yet another episode of the Snug Dan Nerdcast. Yes, that's right. I said it the normal way this week. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm uh, proud of you. So proud. So, as you know, I got Danny with me. Just heard him there. <laughs> but this week, we brought on a little bit of a special guest uh, in a manner In a of good speaking. way. Special in a good way. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, bud? Wow, what a good introduction. This Hello, everybody. A- this is my... Uh... <laughs> First time being on the podcast, Leif. Yes, it is. This is our friend um, Leif. Yes, hello. Charming man. Aww. Um, yes, my name's Leif Amundsen. I, uh... <laughs> Doxed. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, didn't have to give the last name, but hey. Oh, yeah, I, hey, um, I was, you know, trying to give a nice, proper introduction, but Fair okay. Enough. Fair enough. Um, just... Well, Leif, we... Sorry, we, um... We talked about you before. We talked about how uh, I attended your class, and we, I was on the Zoom call with your class, and mm-hmm. that gave us a little bit of attention, so thank you um, for bringing us up in the class. Yeah. Uh, and part of your, let's see, what is it, part of your assignment or part of your project? All right, yeah. Um, so if, you know, nobody really knows about this, but for this podcast, this very special podcast, this is going to be helping out with my final for my podcasting class. So the class is a part of uh, SOU's Southern Oregon University's EMDA program, which is Emerging Media and Digital Arts. So these two wonderful helpers are going to help me go through the steps of podcasting and also let me guest speak on their podcast. So it's, And here you are. Yeah, this um, is quite the honor. Leif, kind yes. of tell the audience who you are and what what's nerdy about you. What do you like to do? What do you like to play? Do you collect things? Um, you, are you into Marvel shit, at all? Nerd. Are you into DC at all? <laughs> so nobody knows about this, but at where I'm sitting in the table, these two are looking directly at me, saying <laughs> From these a questions. Angle, and this is, and we also just... have to, we also have to be kind of quiet too, because the mics are so close to each other. In fact, even even Kevin's mic is still being. Uh, pinged a little bit by Leif's deep voice. No, oh. um, I try so to lower it. Like the shield trying, is like all the way over it. Yeah. And I'm like hunkered around it. Like I'm trying to minimize as much <laughs> as possible. <laughs> we're trying really hard to to sound good. Um, so if it sounds like we're we're constraining ourselves, we are. <laughs> uh, but sorry, Leif, I talked over you. I interrupted you. Hey, what? No, that's fine. You can do that whenever. I'll just do it back at you. All right. But uh, honestly, what is not nerdy about me? I I think you two know pretty good about what I like. Uh, I would say that I'm a very uh, good peruser of Pokemon, especially Pokemon games. I also do collect Pokemon cards. I'm also a big time anime and manga fan. Uh, all just... A variety of categories probably my favorite so far which is the long-lasting uh anime right now is one piece and i've actually read quite a few books back in uh, middle school when that was going on i cannot do i cannot do one piece man oh my it's too long (laughs) it's got like a thousand something episodes Hey, if you, the, if you the, didn't start as a kid, you can't start now. The only experience that I have with One Piece was watching Saturday morning like cartoons on like four kids. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the only the only experience I have with One Piece. Honestly, actually, Danny, uh, their one thousandth episode actually came out 
and that was really cool. But like, that's, like recently? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was it a good episode? The thousandth? Oh. The big 1K? Yeah. It, it actually mm-hmm. had some uh, nice uh, little uh, callbacks to the original uh, like, first season. Oh, okay. Did it? That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I love it when shows do that. It was really cool. And so the intro was really cool. But uh, enough about that. Um, <laughs> what else, so Pokemon, are, you collect the cards, you play the games. What's oh, your yeah. favorite Pokemon game? Like? What's my favorite Pokemon game? Uh, I would say uh, Sapphire. Honestly, uh, that's that's back in the days of was that in a DS or is that Game Boy Advance? That's Game that, Boy Advance. Yep. Game that's Boy a Advance. cartridge. Yeah, that's like yep. Fire Red. Is it? Oh, that's like Ruby and Sapphire. Huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah okay. Ruby Sapphire. That's after those Fire like, Red and all them. Those were the last ones that they made on the cartridge before they started making the little like SD card type what games. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Those are the cleanest looking of the Game Boy Advance ones. Oh, they are. Honestly, uh, I I actually uh, would go to uh, GameStop and buy uh, a couple of like. Uh, extras of ruby and emerald and sapphire just because i always wanted to get like extra pokemon from games that were turned in like if they were used i was like oh i could find something good and they were like not that expensive so i was like oh and so i have like a whole bunch of copies (laughs) of (laughs) sapphire ruby and emerald and i mainly play alpha sapphire and of course i played the others but it's like at that point had a, a homemade version of fire red so basically somebody had taken and like wiped the the cartridge memory on one of the gba uh cartridges oh, really? and they had put a fire red emulator onto it oh so the game would not actually save properly so as soon or like it would save but as I soon as you that. turned it off it would restart when you turned it back on i remember you playing that and you were like i can't turn it off so you always had it like charged and plugged in i think you even brought like a portable charger once or something on like a trip yep so you could play through the whole game <laughs> Wait, yep. actually i remember that too yeah, it was like a black cartridge yeah oh my goodness i had that thing forever i think i still have it actually but i what i did was i would like so one of the things that i did was i purposely like uh what i or i got a what was it i got a working copy of leaf green like a normal copy of leaf green and i would go and i would start the game pick a starter pokemon and then trade it on to leaf green for like a pidgey that i picked up on leaf green and then go on to where i had like multiple of each of the starter pokemon on that leaf green and then that leaf green had gotten to the point where i had the sapphire and the and the ruby so i could trade with ruby sapphire and emerald so, so then i would go and i'd trade those over so that i could have the starters from fire and leaf green and <laughs> ruby and sapphire editions that's so much work it's a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> leaf's like oh my god i know what that entails <laughs> oh my goodness i uh i actually traded up all my pokemon well i i did uh in fact have a game shark back then so not all the pokemon oh. was able to come up but um i got yeah from my original sapphire and ruby and emerald i brought them all the way up to now pokemon sword and now actually most of them are on the pokemon home that i have as well and i they made like trading between um games so much easier by adding that little like pokemon bank that you can do where you just you just put them into there and then you can access them from any game that's on like the later gens of the ds (laughs) I'm just going to say this. If you do, if you love playing Pokemon, just get Pokemon Home. It's it's so cool. And you can like do trading via your phone. 
like you know how the gts like global trade system that you would usually do in the pokemon games you can just do it on your phone hmm. with the pokemon that are like on your uh pokemon home and like stored in there so it's really cool you can also do uh wonder what, trading what is pokemon home what is that so it's a app on your phone thanks i needed to explain I that know, a i had no bit. idea what it was no no um, <laughs> i only know a little bit hmm. it is like uh a subscription that you do have to pay for to have mm-hmm. but it's like like three dollars like a month or something like that Nothing and you can put big. it you, can you put like all of your pokemon from all the games onto it is i that how that works all my pokemon from all my games like that was able to trade cool up service. on there and honestly like it has so much space that you can put on there for an avid pokemon fan it's probably a must oh because that sounds exciting and pokemon go i'm sure you can put your your pokemon on there from pokemon home oh yeah oh that's awesome oh that'd be cool okay that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> no i was gonna about i was about to get into that a little bit too the the old like the newest pokemon game that i have is uh standard pearl <laughs> you should uh you should get blazing pearl that just came out pokemon games well i try if... not to give nintendo too much money we're glad <laughs> to have you on buddy um glad well, that you're you. here uh so today we were we all kind of we didn't really brainstorm we didn't really plan uh this out <laughs> we just kind of decided hey. off the cuff hey it's it, it's how <laughs> it good works, ideas and like good talks happen yeah. so well it's gonna be good today because we're gonna we're gonna talk about um we're gonna have another D school thought episode yay hey. um and this time me and kevin we talked about doing a, a dm episode and Leif, you um, bring an interesting perspective because not only have you been in both of our games, as both of us have been DMs, um, but you have also DM'd a game yourself uh, that unfortunately didn't didn't make it through its life cycle. It was uh, the game that Danny's talking about was a a Pokemon D and D sort of styled game, but it was so homeschooled and like so janky. That like <laughs> as a person that was working a job, interning and going to school at the same time, I found that it was kind of a little bit more trouble than what it's worth. Honestly, I would have loved to keep on playing that because honestly, it, I just, had fun. it was fun. Oh, yeah. All that was mostly ad libbed. <laughs> If that makes any sense, yeah, like yeah. I would, it was a great start to sort of learn how to be a DM because that's mostly how you do DMing. You just have a few things <laughs> that time. you're like, okay, this is what is out in the world. These are the parameters and this is a goal that I want to sort of get them to. So, yeah, yeah, that was, I mean, you guys, you guys know Leif more than Danny. Uh, know the the chaos that was my first campaign because that was like <laughs> the first time I'd ever taken on like an actual full thing. Like I'd done a couple of one shots previous to that, but that was really all I had. And I just kind of was like, "Here's what I want to do with it. Here's where I want to go with it. Let's do this." <laughs> it's a daunting task. Just, it's a daunting yeah. task. And of course, we've we've all played in a campaign that our friend Maverick has hosted, of course, and and DM'd in. Yep. Those were fun as well. Yep. Um, so I guess we'll start it off with like, all right, so this is supposed to be teaching people how to play D and D. So, um, (laughs) so you've made your character, let's say you've even played a campaign and you, or you are thinking about DMing and you kind of, you're interested in that. So 
you're thinking about DMing and what what do you think, Kevin, um, is like your first step to becoming that DM? Like, let's say you just want to take that jump and you just want to host a game. Do you pick a module? Do you come up with an original story? Do you, what do you think? Because I have my answer. the DMG. <laughs> the DMG. That is the first thing you do is you read the DMG, the Dungeon Master's Guide. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't care who you are. You don't have to read the whole thing, but at least at least go through it and take a look at what's in there because Skim dear it, God, if you will. there are going to be so many times as a DM if you have not read this DMG where one of your players cuz inevitably, unless you're starting with completely brand new players, um that are dumb inevitably <laughs> you're going to have some veteran player try to do something that works mechanically and you're gonna not know at all what you're supposed to do with that and it's a lot easier for you to have gone through that dmg and be like all right he went with the grapple check we need to do this then be like oh you wanna uh how does that work Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lots of like core mechanic things that you're gonna need to know. Trust me, I've been through this. <laughs> I know um, I put you through it. Yeah. You definitely wanna as a if you if you think about running your own game, you definitely wanna run through that because there's a lot of like things that are gonna go over like DCs, like skill checks and figuring out how group fights work and mm -hmm. um of course if you know how combat and everything works, you get kind of a feel, but uh you definitely wanna know how hard to make a DC, like mm -hmm. how hard to do, how hard it is to do something. Um, and if you don't know those things, the, the guidebook is really, really good at, uh, yep. at kind of pushing that forward. Um, but the next thing I personally would suggest trying to do at least like a one shot or two previously to actually like running a campaign, um, whether it's a moduled campaign or not, um, for anyone who's missed previous episodes, doesn't know what a one shot is. A one shot is basically a, a one off uh, game. <clears throat> you play like one game uh, of D&D that's just like that one session is the whole thing. Like when you guys yeah. finish that session for the night, it's that's it. It's done. Game over. Um, ideally you don't live leave on a cliffhanger because people are probably just going to want to play yeah, but, yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll keep pestering I you. mean if you wanted to leave it on a cliffhanger and then build a campaign around it you know that'd be different yeah. but like generally I would suggest starting with a one shot of some sort whether it's a pre-written one shot or something that you just came up with like you went you know what I want to do this kind of fetch quest thing and take them on that I, I would agree 100% yeah no, some yeah. kind of some kind of on hands experience it's kind of like training at a new job like mm -hmm. you can read all the all the guides and you can read all and do all the trainings but once you're like in in the zone like you're actually in the firefight then you'll you'll learn how to like how to improvise how to come up with things on the fly yep. like what kind of skill checks need to be made um just really being a dm is where understanding mechanics is going to be really essential to creating yeah. a good experience for your players and while I said, like, you know, read the DMG, understand things in the DMG, I say that specifically so that you're knowledgeable to an extent on things. Don't be afraid to lean on your veteran players for help when you're not sure. Like, I do it every session with Kevin. <laughs> like, yeah. And life, yeah. And Leif, say, too. Yeah, I do the same thing with, like, Leif and Mav whenever I'm, when I'm DMing and something comes up and I'm like, uh, I'll kind of, like, I'll look How's at the two of them again? like, hey... 
I'm thinking like this kind of chick. And like a lot of times it's like, yeah, that. And then sometimes mm-hmm. they'll be like, no, no, actually that's like a history. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Ooh. So that's one of those, like, don't, don't be afraid to lean on your players. Even if they're not veteran players, it's entirely possible that they may have like an idea in their head of what they're trying to do. And when you go mm, do this, if they, you know, if they're like, well, wouldn't that be this? Like, at least hear them out. You can still say no, but at least hear them out and see for sure that like, that is what they're, you know, that what your idea was actually kind of on the same level. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to do. I like to I try to work with people if I can. Um, and then sometimes we, sometimes we don't come together, uh, you know, sometimes yeah. it's like I'm DM. That's what I say. But <laughs> yeah, and a lot in the of end, times the DM has the final word. So and a, at least in our group. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, I think it is. It's technically, like, like as well, right? Technically mm-hmm. for D&D in general, like fifth edition says that DM's rulings supersede the book. So like truthfully, if your DM says, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Period. Um, and that's one thing that I do actually really like the, about Wizards of the Coast, like way of setting that up is that they did like, they did go, look, it's not always going to be black and white, you know, in the book, not in the book. So DM is like your referee as well as your narrator. So if the DM says, no, it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. And unfortunately, there are a handful of players that will be that way. They'll kind of try to continue arguing. But truthfully, if they want to be that rules lawyer, (laughs) that's the one you got to keep in your back pocket. You go, hey, 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 you see this right here, right here? You're saying everything needs to be by the rules. Well, you see this ruling right here in the book that says DM ruling supersede the book. That's also part of the rules that you're trying to force on me. So guess what? I would. <laughs> I would the also... DM proceeds to eat that. <laughs> and believe me, as a DM, your players are going to frustrate you mm-hmm. at many different times. So just be ready to be patient. <laughs> I I would also say that it's important to establish like before you start your campaign with your players how the rules work and what's yep. going to go on. Like yeah, mm-hmm. if there's going to be something that's going to that be different, you absolutely need to make sure that you set it. Like okay, so a book says this. We're not going to use that. Like in most of my games, when we play, I don't utilize the um, the quote unquote one leveled spell per turn uh, argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my players know they have known because I kind of I kind of threw that one away in the first campaign that I ran. I was like, yeah, we're not doing that. You guys can just cast spells. It's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like <clears throat> those kind of you know rulings that it kind of just like with every dm especially between you guys i like how it kind of differs between the two of you especially with like different rulings and all that it's kind of a little bit annoying when you're going from one game (laughs) to the next because then you're like oh this is how this works and then they're like no oh (laughs) dang it that's why i've tried to do my best to not like to an extent, not have a game running while another one of our friend group's DMs is running a game. So that way it's not like, you know, you're not like crossing up rulings because, yeah, every DM is going to be different. Well, if if they're like, you know, veteran players, I think it's like OK to do it yeah. with like another person's like game that's going. But if it's like a new player, like yeah. I would say there's one in my head that's usually like that. But uh <laughs> Yeah, then then you should start worrying about that. But yeah, so so 
establishing the rules is good establishing a precedent for your game is good Mm -hmm. uh, with your players and kind of getting on the same page of like okay i might not rule what the book says i might not rule like if you want to do x y and z with your ability i might not like that and you have to be okay with that if you're going to play in the game Mm -hmm. um that's kind of like the general rule our group has um so what what then step number two would you say um either of you uh would be uh creating a game like picking would you say like picking a module is the is the most safe bet to go for someone brand new or do you think crafting your own story kind of because i know my answer my my answer is crafting your own story i think is one of the better ways to go because it forces you to kind of become creative and think more on the fly than a module might say I, uh have you do so I, I really think it depends on the person mm-hmm. but that's a that's a pretty good one <laughs> I um, like i agree <laughs> that's a, yeah i gave a little point like yes that <laughs> um yeah uh, off of my head i think like what i usually like to do is i like to market sort of like ideas that i have in my head to like other people and sort of like build something from there that's usually my way of doing things but uh yeah like kind of grabbing some kind of idea is like the one thing just to sort of just grab that kind of mull it over and then sort of build off from there and then however yeah yeah, however you do that it, it really is dependent on the person so i personally my my opinion on this is if you are one of those people who can can be creative, like you already understand that you're creative, you've already got some ideas on things that you could do, um, you're able to kind of branch out in that direction, then if you want to start with a module, absolutely go for it. But if you're one of those people that's not really that good at kind of like coming up with your own stuff, a module is not going to be good for you because what's going to end up happening is, and I've had this happen before with DMs that are new to DMing, they build a module and then or they or they like get a module and they try to run you through that module well the problem is is because they're not as creative they're not one of those people that can kind of think on the fly and create things when we do things out of like what's marked in the module they get really bad about railroading the party back into where the module yeah. was taking them. I was about to say that too. That's a good point because they have it in front of them and they yep. know where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed mm-hmm. to do. So the DM is like, get back there. You know? Yeah. Yep. So like uh, okay, if there's yeah. creative ways, if you know that there's creative ways that you can just automatically off the top of your head come up with to redirect the party while still letting them do what they want to do right Mm -hmm. then absolutely you want to do a module to start with that's probably going to be easy because then you're not having to worry too much about prep work before every session Mm -hmm. but if you're one of those people who can't really think on the fly as much you're gonna want to flesh out ideas yourself that are separate from what's already there so that that way you're not focused on taking them through what this book says you're just letting them mark off points along the way from the story you've decided you want to get to. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say read a module, see if you like it. And if it's something that you think you can run with and change creatively, go for it. But a lot of times what I do is I take, I take cool ideas and cool things I find from games or movies or TV shows I watch or play. And I incorporate that in my game and I spin it the way I think, I would want like a character act or somebody to go through or something like that. That's kind of how I've created this newest campaign. Um, 
you kind of have that same idea of like no one has an original thought i think that's like a <laughs> saying you know what i mean like yeah. no one's got an original thought we all bring our thoughts from something so as a dm it's also important not to like get too hung up on that and think like oh i've got to make if i'm gonna make an original story it's got to be a hundred percent me um so a little bit of a tangent but like off that idea uh in my as a emda major we well, i do a lot of uh design projects especially logo design and like other yeah. sort of designs but uh like so you can you can find things uh online i personally use pinterest as a good way to find sort of like very creative like designs and you can pinterest get is that amazing yeah and the rule of thumb to go by is as long as you change 70 percent of it then it's original right so, so in general you yeah can change it a, a quite a bit and be like ah it's mine yeah so because at that point if you change a majority of something like oh yeah. it's, it's for the most part you've changed it yeah mm-hmm so like so, honestly i troll pinterest whenever i'm doing like character arts and stuff now that i've really gotten back into drawing like you guys know you oh, guys yeah. have seen like i am all over pinterest and i'll find i'll find all kinds of like art commissions by different artists and i'll just kind of like okay i like aspects of that i'm gonna grab that i like aspects of this one over here i'm gonna grab that i like aspects of that over there i'm gonna grab that and then i'll pull them together and like make them my own out of like it's like an amalgamation of those different things yeah pinterest is something that i learned uh back in let's see my third year at rcc when i was actually getting into graphic design and all of that and honestly like the ability like pinterest's uh, ability to sort of take topics that are found with pictures and actually like kind of combine them and bring other pictures that are sort of related to those is really cool and i like that and it helped me so much with a lot of projects um from like let's see yeah until this day yeah yeah up till yeah. now yeah that's so i actually have on my pinterest i have a pin board that is legitimately uh, a starry's almanac reference material and it is just pictures that I have used even a little bit of, even just like I looked at it and went, you know what? That might be helpful. Those, all of those are pinned together for artwork that I'm using to make, uh, to do like um, the different like custom arts for our uh, world that we're building with the lawful stupid group. I think we're all kind of saying the same thing is like get, get creative, get your creative juices flowing from some outlet. Yeah. As a DM, if if you're gonna DM, find some some module or some story or some character to get that creative juice flowing um, for yourself, so that you can make an interesting campaign. So um, after you've created what you kind of want as like a base or like what you kind of let's say you let's say you figured out your story. Let's say you already have your story. I already have what I want to do, where I want my players to go eventually, what the end game kind of looks like. What what then? Um, I guess let's just jump right into like starting the campaign with okay. people. Well, before you get there, actually, the next thing you actually need to do is you need to decide what reference material you want to allow. And oh, how yeah, yeah, good point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that. As a new DM, I personally suggest that you don't branch too much farther than the uh, standard player's handbook. Um, just because that's a lot of information for you to have to take in along with your campaign. Um, so like it's... I'm not saying don't like I'm not saying you can't 
utilize other ones. I'm saying if this is your first time DMing, it's going to be a thousand times easier for you to keep track of your players and what they're up to and what they're able to do if everything is confined to just what's available in the player handbook. Yeah, once once you come like become better at DMing and you have more veteran players, then you can start branching off into sort of like I would first go into Unearth Arcana, like that's a good well, I mean, I personally would stick with published material after. So, like, start with the player oh, handbook talking, and then okay. move into published material. And then I would get into Unearthed yeah. Arcana. That's what I was thinking as well, yeah. Yeah. Just because, like, the published material and the player handbook are a lot easier to get a hold of generally than the Unearthed Arcana are because they're playtest material. Yeah. I think I think I just consider all the, <laughs> all <laughs> yeah, all the other branches are just... Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I agree because I agree because you're going to I even kind of regret opening up some Unearthed Arcana in this most recent campaign because I I don't necessarily understand all of it. And if I have confusion, I have to really rely on you guys to uh, know what you're talking about and to know. That's why I asked. How the mechanics like, work? That's why I asked like four times before I finally pulled the trigger on it with War Mage because I was like, "Are you a hundred percent sure this is okay? Like, are you?" Well, good and, with I this? mean, I, I said yeah, so yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, it's just that I, I want my players to have fun more than yeah. anything. I don't mm -hmm. want I don't want to restrict creativity or like having fun. And so I figured the more the more options you have as a player, the more creative you can be. And so there, it's it's, it's a double edged sword for me, but. For definitely someone brand new, um, definitely go vanilla if you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Straight as, vanilla. Yeah. It's going to be simple, really easy. As simple as possible with character creations is going to be the easiest way for you to keep track of everybody. Also, be very, very wary of homebrew. Um, oh, like, yeah. I'm not saying don't allow it. I'm just saying be very thorough and try to think where you can go with homebrew before allowing it just because there are a lot of homebrew out there that have been released and put out by you know different people on reddit or whatever and some of them are far too overpowered for what they are and need some sort of scaling back have we have we, i'm sure we've touched on homebrew before but just in case someone is only listening to this one let's go over it really quick homebrew oh. is essentially something that you create uh, or someone else creates outside of the um, Wizards of the Coast or Unearthed Arcana sphere. And so they it's like a whatever you want to make, you make it up and you post it uh, for someone to read or you use it in your campaign. That's pretty much all it is. It can be anything from a mechanic to an item to an ability to a spell. It can be kind of anything. Um, so when you hear homebrew, we're talking about things that we you know just make up or that we find someone else made up. Yep. Um, and obviously that means that they're not always the most thought out no and they're not always the most balanced so but yeah that's being being wary of homebrew is one of those like like that the war mage homebrew that i have is i mean it was play tested it was released by an official third party right um which usually those ones have been balanced very well um of course, they've been balanced based on whatever DM was there. So, like, different DM rulings can open or close doors for certain things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but that's one of those, like, 
I've seen where war mages can go and they get really powerful. I'm honestly, seriously considering uh, multi-classing and going a different direction so that that way I don't get so too you don't get to be a, a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm already dealing like a hundred damage a turn. No. It's pretty bad, actually. <laughs> I, I thought I thought my character was a monster, but uh, yeah, like, he's doing some my serious only damage. Redeeming, my only redeeming factor is the fact that I'm like have. The only thing that has less health than me in this campaign is River's ghouls. <laughs> no, River himself. No, River has more health than I do. Really? Mm -hmm. He's had like more health than me. 80-something, doesn't he? 80, yeah, he's 89. in the 80s. I'm still in the 70s. Oof. I'm low Whoa. 70s. I'm like 74, I think. See, that's pretty, I think that's pretty fair, though. I always loved that. I, I always I, loved the idea of dealing high damage, but you are either really weak or like you can't really take it. I, I always yeah. loved that idea. Glass cannons are fun because yeah. they're balanced that way because if you do get hit, it's gonna suck. Yeah. Yep. And and a DM can get you know get through that yeah. really easily. Yeah. It's yeah, really easy for a DM to beat over perform acrobatics AC. to <laughs> get around it. Yeah. So, um. But yeah, that's that's. Uh, okay. So getting so getting getting an established like uh, sphere of of play that you want your players to be in. Let's say they've. Let's say you figured out. Okay, we're just gonna play with the normal handbook. Um. What's next? Next, I would personally say, and you guys can disagree with me on this if you want. Next, I would personally say, go through the basic rules and decide if there's anything in there that you want to change. Like with the players or just yourself? Yourself first and then mm -hmm. introduce it to the players. And then if mm -hmm. they have any arguments, then, you know, take that into account. But like initially go through like, okay, this rule, do I like it? Do I not like it? So let's just say, for instance... um, uh, if you, uh, basic D and D rules is that if you meet for fifth edition, anyways, if you meet the DC, then you pass. Right, right, right. Yeah. Do you like this? Do you want it to be a little bit harder? Do you want to make it to where you have to be over that? There are that kind of a lot of things rating. in there, huh? That are like that. So, because like there are some, there are some DMs that do DM fifth edition where if it meets, it doesn't beat. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ty you goes have to, to defender. You have to. Yeah. Ty goes to defender. There's also um, uh, Shane from Lawful Stupid, when he DM'd his campaign, had a thing where if you met the AC of the thing that you were attacking, you dealt what was called a glancing blow, so it was half damage. Okay. Nice. That's so, a really good idea. Those kinds of things, like if there's adjustments that you want to make to the rules for flavor reasons or otherwise, look into yeah, them, sure. take a look at them, go over them. That way, one, you're knowledgeable about those rulings, so that way when your players are like, hey, I want to do da-da-da, you can be like, oh, well, that kind of doesn't work. Or, so that if you want to make an adjustment, you can be like, hey, ahead of time, before your players start making characters, like, hey, I want to do this, this is the idea of the game, these are the rules that I want to change. Like, I want to play with this instead of that, and this instead of that, and I want to adjust this to fit this. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, I also think that getting rid of rules that kind of make things difficult for the DM in general, like I'll just say uh, item weight mm -hmm. and sort of calculating. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of DMs like, do carrying. not use encumbrance. Oh my gosh, it is. It's a nightmare and it's so just annoying. a waste of math. Just That's let them have. Life. That's yeah. a really good call. No, I didn't just, really even yeah. think about those. Like, just yeah, let them you, carry it. What items that they. That's one yeah. of those. Yeah. Like experienced, an experienced DM with a bunch of veteran players. Sure. Do encumbrance rules. Totally, you know, work with that. If you're a new DM, 
you're going to have more fun when you're not having a nitpick about how much weight your characters are playing are playing with. Yeah, and it's, especially this is going to help you to uh, saying like not well, well the suggestion right is to not do that, but if you read through the book, like you're also going to be like, oh man, I have to keep track of so much their encumbrance, mm-hmm. their what they're carrying, mm-hmm. how if they're sleeping, if they're yep. eating every day, yeah. if they're drinking every day. You know what I mean? There's just a lot of those things in there too, and and I mean as much as the DM guidebook is a guide. It's just that a guide. Exactly, so it's a guide. Just, just make it easy on yourself. I agree it's with a hundred percent. It's not a royal decree. It's it's just like here's a way to focus, and if you don't like that, then don't. I I have found actually in the player handbook that there is a living wage kind of system, where depending on uh, how nice you want to be living, or how if you want to be living in squalor, you'd be paying like this much like per day we tried to do that in um maverick's campaign i believe we had kind of a similar thing actually yeah in like shadow run, his... i mean yeah in shadow run, shadow run, run. yeah yeah, yeah that one was kind of because like shadow runs a different it's kind of a different it's a full different system yeah um but yeah that one we i had an upkeep for our, our places sometimes i like that mechanic never... You like it or don't like sometimes. it? Sometimes. Sometimes you like it. I like it. I like the idea of, of managing yeah. where you live and having to keep up living costs and stuff. I, I still don't understand combat in that game. No, I, me neither. Yeah, it's very unfortunately, hard to get. Unfortunately, it, it's very... Shadowrun's one of those weird ones where like they spent a lot more time explaining how the flavor of everything is in mm-hmm. the source books than they did on how the mechanics actually work specifically. It was also one of those books that was very wordy. I couldn't that's why I couldn't read it. I, it was so wordy and so full of fluff. That yeah. was so that was why I tried to make sure that everybody got a hold of Chummer was because any item, any I wouldn't have been able ability, to make a character whatever it is that's in there, it's marked with what source book it's from and what page it's on. So you can go to that source book and that page and read what it is that it says. Yeah. And generally that is the mechanic, like how it works mechanically is how it's listed. Very huge resource, um, Chummer. Very important about Chummer. It does not work for Apple products, which <laughs> oh, <yeah>. I learned. <laughs> Poor Leif. It was, it was really bad. So Yeah, that definitely made things harder on Leif. Oh, it was really <laughs> bad. Um, Apple man over here. So... Works great for his graphic design, but not for playing Shadowrun. I know. It's so much better. <laughs> you know, the, I should have trolled Reddit to see, because I'll almost guarantee you that somebody made a version of Chummer for Apple somewhere, oh, coded yeah. it to work with Apple software, and I just, I didn't look for it. I, I should have. I, I, it probably would have been too much trouble than it's worth, and would I trust it? Probably not. But. That's fair. So I would say the next step would be, um, and I mean, there could be a million steps between this, I guess, but I think the next step would be to have your, your session zero or character creation day. One of the two. Determine your players. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is all presuming you have the people to play. Okay. I mean, assuming that this person has the group they want to play with. I would suggest for a first time DM, do not have more than four players. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for because sure. of the level of chaos that's going to come out of just four players, I yeah, don't go over four players. Like, they I, will my first up. campaign, I started with two, and I ended with eight. Jesus, I kept taking on more people because I didn't want to tell them no, and I wanted them to be a part of the adventure. And oh my god, it was chaos. Yeah, <laughs> there were too many people at that damn table by the end of the by the end of the campaign. 
And it just, yeah, there was too many things to keep track of. There was too many people doing too many different things. They were constantly splitting the party because it was too much for all of them to be doing it all at once. Um, not going to lie, I was the main uh, proprietor of splitting the party <laughs> a couple <laughs> of the times. You had a, a, a secondary interest in splitting the party at times because of the fact that you were one of the secret, you were a secret BBA, BBEG. Oh, yeah. No, um, that was That's another thing wonderful. I wouldn't suggest doing in your first ever campaign do not introduce a secret bbeg yeah don't pin the players against each other <laughs> you will nothing nobody will be happy and <laughs> it will just go down into chaos it's also really hard to keep everyone happy when you do that too like yeah, oh, yeah. we know we know for it's, sure that they're hurt feelings whenever one side wins and one loses mm-hmm. and i i tried to i tried and try not to do that but I'm, i know i sometimes so you can't help it i tried to like make everyone create a backstory and incorporate those backstories into the actual story of the campaign which is also extremely hard to do when you have more than four people yeah so do pay attention to your players backstories but like oh that's a good point i i didn't even think about backstories so this is actually a question that um that matthew asked me mm-hmm. he said he said so if i make a character because he's he's a very creative dude and he mm-hmm. likes writing yeah. So he said, if I if I were to make a character for like let's say one of your games, and I gave you a backstory that was like a half page long, he was like, would you do anything with that? Like, d- does character backgrounds incorporate into the games at all, or would or would it just be something that you know about my character and that's it? Personally, if someone goes through the effort of putting in a, a good a good amount of writing and they add like a backstory and a motive and a reason for doing what they're doing. I will incorporate that into the into the campaign. I just will. I'll throw something in there. I'll bring back a villain or I'll do <laughs> something. Um because it's not I think that that shouldn't go to waste. You should embrace that player's creativity. Yeah. That's yeah, you should I personally as both a player and a DM, I personally believe that the creativity needs to be rewarded. So if you took the time unless you're one of those people that like we're starting at level 1 and you wrote me a sh- a novel Right, that's yeah, your backstory. Yeah. Like, okay, that's that's too much for a level one character. And at that point, but, it'll probably just be what you what the DM knows about the character. Exactly. Yeah. But if they, like Matthew said, wrote like a half a page worth, that's like simple backstory. Okay, I'm gonna try and collect. Okay, what are some names? Who'd they put in their backstory? Is it their uncle, their best friend? You know, who's who's connected in here? Are they still alive? If they are, where can I place them? Where can they run into them? Where can yeah. I? Even possibly, depending on the player, where can I cause tra- problems with this? Yeah. Like, I, oh, this person, oh, he, you know, he ran away and da-da-da, like, the only person that, you know, would have possibly cared about it was, you know, the family butler, whatever. Like, the family butler's going to troll through town one time true. while you guys are wandering around. He's going to be like, hey, James, is that you? He's like, Pah. <laughs> then like, shenanigans yeah <laughs> and that that makes a, a great deal of creativity during like downtime sessions too that helps dm kind of like move things along during downtime or slow times or in between big fights or whatever i remember i made <laughs> one of our one of the campaigns we played and i made my character and i i wrote a, a oh, actually twice this has happened i've made a a pretty i what i felt like was a good backstory for the character and it just it went completely to waste and that was pretty discouraging i won't lie mm. it's pretty discouraging being a player and putting thought and effort into your character and like hoping that it'll get utilized or something and it just doesn't 
So, you know, run with things as a DM. Run run with creativity. Work with your players on their characters and, and kind of and even incorporate them. One of those was my Viking campaign, wasn't it? No, no, oh, that one. Okay. No, 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 no. That one I didn't. I mean, like, no, you even... Okay. You even... So, I, so like, that one yeah. I... <laughs> That one I had to come up with last minute because I have I was so busy around that time and I just didn't have time to sit down and, and make a thorough character. So I made yeah. him a peace cleric and I was like, well, if he's a peace cleric, then he's going to be someone who doesn't like fighting. And then I, I tried to go like this extreme crazy route with it. But um, you you definitely involved that and you, okay. you incorporated it. There was like a whole session where you dedicated our characters to growth, like our characters personal growth, which I thought was amazing. Um, but okay. there were there were a couple of other campaigns that I played in that I had two characters at least that <laughs> I put a lot of effort into and it just wasn't I can say I know received well I know one of those yeah <laughs> yeah I like for sure know one of those I was thinking the second one was my Viking campaign but I'm glad that it wasn't no 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 <laughs> you you do a great job I think as a Thank DM you. Kevin <laughs> um, I too, honestly Leif. one thing that oh, I really thanks. liked about your campaign that you're doing was the the whole you know amnesia thing you guys don't really know necessarily what's happened outside of that because it kind of it made it to where nobody was going to end up creating one of those backstories where if you did like fail to acknowledge it it would discourage them just because like your character's not your character's not going to know it Mm -hmm. you're not gonna have any idea so i didn't have to worry about because i know we have one of our regulars that likes to write novels for their backstory no matter what level we're starting at oh okay um i'm so glad i have not gone one of those you guys both know who that is um but uh and then they like the problem is is they'll give it to you or in some cases they won't because i never actually received it on my first campaign really in it but yeah um but then they will like try to reference it and try to like utilize things from it and you're like i dude i didn't read it like you gave me 20 pages for a level one character yeah read read that yeah definitely uh the one thing that you need to get on players about is you have to get a good relationship with them and you know have a good line of communication because It's just if there's miscommunication, there will be problems. Yeah, that's another thing is definitely like ask your players before you get started on anything. Would you rather I address a problem with you during the game in private Mm -hmm. or would you rather I address it to the entire group? Like in-game, like an in-game character problem or like a player problem? A player problem, mostly. (laughs) Yeah, Um, stop it, you guys. (laughs) So because it's like... One of those, like, you can, there's two ways really to handle those kinds of, like, player conflicts with the DM is either to um, basically not point out that it's them specifically and just kind of, all right, here's an adjustment, this is da-da-da, or pull them aside and be like, look, this is what's going on, this is how it needs to be handled. Both are completely acceptable ways of handling it, they're both great ways of doing it. Um, but I personally think that players should be able to kind of decide which one they would rather like if you, yeah, if you're one of those people, it's like, you know, I'd rather you just, you beep in twice. Um, if you're one of those players that like, you prefer the DM just like came to you and was like, Hey, this is the issue that I'm having with you. Make sure you're like, make sure your DM knows that same thing like DM, if it's easier for you to directly address people about it be like hey if i've got an issue with you can i come to you directly or do you need me to just like make a blanket statement that affects everybody 
and doesn't mm-hmm. point at anybody. So it's going to be a good way to handle uh, conflicts between your players and your DM. Mm-hmm. And they're going to happen. Oh, yeah. They will happen. Oh, yeah. They're going to happen. Because oh. like Danny said earlier, you can't make everyone happy. No. You're, you're never going to make everyone happy 100% with your campaign. Yeah. Now, you can you can have like most people pretty happy or all people mostly happy but there's always going to be some sort of grievance from some direction so one thing to definitely overcome as a new dm because i know it was hard for me um and i'm sure it's was or still is hard for danny like wondering if your players are actually enjoying the game <laughs> fuck no like, that's that's i th- I was gonna bring that up. that was one thing i was thinking when we were talking about doing this that was the one thing i was gonna bring up like for sure in this discussion was like it is daunting to be a dm and it is hard like it really is like not even just thinking creatively and on the fly but you're a constant i mean at least i am i'm constantly worried about if people are having fun if people are are enjoying what i'm doing if if I'm fair, if like, you really just want everyone to have a good time and you want to feel like you're doing a good job and the perspective, and maybe like if you can kind of relate to this, the perspective of changing from player to DM and back and forth is so jarring and so, Mm -hmm. so different. Yeah. Um, Especially if you've played for a while and then you switch over to DMing because you'll remember whenever you do something, you'll remember an issue you had with a previous DM and be like, oh, I really don't want that to happen with these players. Like, oh, I I really hope that I'm not causing that issue. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing is, is and, and players seriously, tell your DMs how much, like tell your DMs that it's a good game. Seriously. Like it means a lot to DMs. But for DMs, if they continue to come back to the session, if every week they're asking you, hey, we're having session, right? Hey, we're going to play like this time, same time as always, da da da, like they're constantly coming. That means they're having fun because honestly, I don't know a lot of people that are going to be like, I want to play D&D and then get into a game and they think the DM's absolutely horrible and they just keep playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like most people, because it's not something that's required in any way, shape or form. It's for fun. If they don't like it, they're just going to be like, eh, and stop coming. Yeah. I, I, I think that that, that difference between being a player and, and being a DM is like, cause you don't, you don't, it's so, it's so different that you won't know, like as a player, like you're just along for the ride. You know, you're watching the DM, you're like listening to them describe something. And in the DMs head, they might be like, fuck, I've totally botched this description or like, I totally botched how this was going to go. But the player is sitting there like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> this is cool. You know, they're not thinking about what, cause the DM knows what they did and didn't do and what they messed up and what they didn't, but the players don't. And so one one cool way to get through that barrier for yourself is to just remember that like your players don't know what's coming. And so even if you misdirect them or even if you do something on accident that you weren't supposed to do, you can recover from that. And they probably they probably have no idea and they're probably just going to run with it um, because they're just having fun. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, it's a big like. You you are the person who knows that you made a mistake in those instances. If you don't go, ah, shit, I fucked that up. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just let it go. Let it run Don't out yourself. Unless they complain about it, there's no reason to change. Let it go. Have fun. Fuck it. Yeah. No, like, just ad-libbing is just something that you'll learn from doing that. And, yeah, nothing nothing goes the way that you really want. Honestly, though, I think for actually new players or people becoming veterans i think just 
getting into DMing, like just even once will open up your mind to a whole bunch of things. It really does. Yeah. Immensely. <laughs> like kind of, yeah. Having the, the both side perspective actually makes things easier, especially for new DMs. Like if you're playing under someone who is a new DM and you've been on both sides of that DM screen, like it's super helpful for them because they know that, you know, that you've like, you're going through that struggle. <laughs> like, so you're sitting behind that DM screen for the first time and you're like, I, uh, uh, and you're trying to figure something out. Like there's at least one player. If, if one of your players has DM before that player is definitely looking at you going, Oh man, I've been there. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. dude. <laughs> and no one and no one, I mean, especially if you're playing with your friends, no one is probably thinking like, ah, oh, this guy sucks. Like no one's I doubt anyone's thinking that whenever you DM if because if they're thinking that, they're probably not actually your friend and you should just let yeah, them know. <laughs> but but a lot of times what happens when you become a DM is you you get in your head. You're in your own head all the time because you're coming up with the ideas and you're you're working out how things are gonna work. And you are your own worst enemy. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're your own worst critic. So yep. a lot of times it's it's beneficial to just let go. Let go and, and just kind of do your best. It, and that's it. all there is. Yeah. Um, um, so next step. For a new DM, I would suggest doing character creation with your players. Whether you do a session zero that ties them all together or not is totally up to you. Um. I personally like doing the session zero just because it kind of fleshes out like the adventure so far a little bit for you, like ties everybody together, but you can also specify, like I've had a handful of DMS go, look, you're a part of this. You've known these people for X amount of time. Like you've been together for a while. You would know each other, write that into whatever backstory you have, you know, like right, whatever yeah, information yeah, you've got, you've got like, Mav did that with uh, one of his campaigns, the one um, where we accidentally ended it like a month and a half short. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, that, that's and, a story. Uh, uh, Danny did that with his campaign that he's running right now. He was like, yeah, you guys have been on this ship for like a year together already. Um, and I did that with my Viking campaign. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, you guys, you guys were recruited in. You guys are part of this. You know, you've been on this ship. You've been on a voyage for a little while. Like... No, it, you. it makes things so much easier, yeah. honestly, and it yeah it creates those bonds with the characters. Yeah, how about how about from a player's perspective, Leif? Like when a, when a DM does that to you, do you feel like you can work with someone's character more, knowing that you have like a common backstory thread to connect? Honestly, since I'm actually I've created a lot of characters right now, like I have a lot of characters under my belt. <laughs> I I actually <laughs> find it really fun and exciting making a character that sort of fits with what the dm is doing because it makes it just so much more uh exciting and like you don't know what's going to happen and it really teaches you how to act in a different way that you wouldn't come up with i would say so i would i would say like for example king I would say probably my first one I've ever kind of went off the jar. So uh that was a very in-depth character. Like I was I was <laughs> very excited with where that was going to go when you told me everything about it and you like kind of cuz Leif came and worked with me on it cuz he built a um 
it's based the name of the race oh it was um, a calistar uh Calistar. There it is. yeah um, so he like worked with me on setting up the cory for that character and he worked with me on like a bunch of other steps throughout the backstory and the creation of that character and it was all like it was it was very clearly different but it was it all worked and it honestly just made me as a DM more excited to have that character and have Leif in my my uh, campaign for that because of the fact that I was like, okay, he's putting in the effort to fit in with it, like what we're trying to do too. It was oh, such that was probably the like no no fault on any other DM and <laughs> my characters, but that was really fun to play just because of the relationship and like the secrecy of you know. Was that going... the one where you're BBG or no? Oh yeah, yeah that was the yeah, one where okay, he ended yeah. up being He's the BBG. Because yeah. <laughs> like the Corey that he had, because technically, so in the player handbook, Kalistar, um, they te- they are generally their Corey that's connected to them is good or neutral. Yeah, and Corey is like a spirit of sorts. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, like okay. a like a guardian yeah. spirit that they mm-hmm. can connect with. Um, that's like passed down through bloodline. Well, essentially, it doesn't <laughs> say directly that it can't be an evil being. It just says that they tend to be good or neutral. Oh, sure. Yeah, so you can make it <laughs> like, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, it didn't specify that it is never evil. And I mean, even if it did, like it was a homebrew world that I had created. If I wanted to make a, an evil one, I could make an evil one. Um, but so he had the idea of having one that was evil. And I was like, okay. This is interesting. Let's let's go with this. Let's continue. It was it was really fun because like it would be like a super like kind caring like character on one side and then the evil spirit would sort of grab hold of the body at certain points without uh, the good caring like actual king noticing and you know sort of control him from there. It was a very controlling evil spirit which was a war god basically and just slowly and surely throughout the whole session like the whole game itself uh this evil spirit would be gaining more and more control and then soon became entirely in control and then started that's cool just wreaking like havoc in the background and secretly doing things and then that's very cool i actually had so he had um he had like a, a crown that he would that he used that was like kind of like symbolizing whether he was or wasn't the like being controlled by this evil spirit. <laughs> Ice King from Adventure Time. Yeah, seriously. Like, and, literally. <laughs> so I actually designed a homebrew set of armor that went along with it. So the full set was called the Armor of the Nameless King. That's like some Dark Souls shit right there. Oh, dude. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's literally in Dark so Souls. So, basically what happened was, was it came, like, his, the, like, uh, Cory spirit got more and more able to grab hold and control his character the more of these items he collected, because they were meant to be, like, um, they were meant to be, uh, like, artifacts of that Cory. Mm-hmm. And when he collected the entire set there was a possibility that when he rolled his percentile in the morning to see whether nice king or uh evil king was what woke up in the morning oh, okay um, gotcha that's smart it like it increased the probability of him 
being evil king I the more he collected mechanics yeah when he collected all of them i added a possibility where if he rolled a specific section that he would not be able to go back to being regular nice king I, that I, it would completely take over and that happened it did oh, boy. <laughs> it totally i rolled a hundred yeah like, which a hundred for like, um our games is really bad yeah usually in my games i do low roll is good high roll is bad um and so that was one of those like anything if he rolled like i think it was like 97 or higher mm-hmm. was what the the section was i think it was um then it would uh then uh the nameless king would would take over his current uh, cory would completely take over his uh his character um and he wouldn't be able to go back to being the the nice normal person that he had been um and it took that's he got the last idea. piece I and like it that. took like one session before he rolled that number i know it i like that awesome. idea that's very creative um so i think i <laughs> just to go back to the to being a dm oh yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right right uh i think having a session zero is is good um especially if like you're making your characters with your the the characters with your uh players and then you and then like if everyone's done and you still have a solid amount of time solid being like 2 hours maybe mm-hmm. um i would say that's a good opportunity to kind of what i use mine for is like a prologue kind of a deal that's yeah. what i do mine with is like a prologue mm-hmm. um of course in this instance like with my most recent game with you guys you guys are also good at and so well known at making your characters you guys kind of had everything all made by the time we were going to start so it was literally just the first session but even like with having all of our characters fleshed out and all that i think still a prologue is useful just to get the feel of your character as well yeah that's honestly like the session zero in in my experience has been like Danny said, it's like a prologue. It's kind of it kind of sets the tone for all of the characters. Like you guys have made your characters, yeah, but rather than jumping into session one, like this session zero is basically so that you have the ability to kind of test out your character and feel out like the personality that your character is going to take with the other players, mm-hmm. as well as giving you guys kind of the tone of where this campaign is going to go. Yeah, and on top of that, like if you're really into acting and all that. It's really good to sort of get a feel of a voice for your character and sort of a way to act, a yeah. gimmick of sorts. That's why I like Kevin. He does that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. he does my, such a good job of doing that. I think so, yeah. No, I'm, Thank uh, you, guys. I'm, I'm trying to get into that and sort of like do it's that, hard. but it's so hard. It's hard to do. It, Yeah. Well, the problem is like it doesn't matter how many voices you have you're eventually going to reach a point where you've got like number of characters that are using the same accent. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, I actually, it's one of those, like I, I almost one time I almost went and broke out my utter nonsense game. Um, and just had like all the different (laughs) accent cards and tried to do my best, like impression of whatever those accents were for characters, like drew them at random if I didn't have one already planned. And a lot of times you'd come out accidentally using the same accent once or twice yeah oh, yeah. I, I all the time so but it's one of those that's another thing like as a now. dm it's such a fun game. is having things that are not D related and utilizing them in your games is actually going to make things a lot more fun for you as well as your players so like don't be afraid to incorporate things like i i have utter nonsense it's got accent cards so you can like determine different accents and stuff so like that's fun for like deciding an accent for a character 
Um, I also, I used like magic cards at one point for like a, uh, like a puzzle or a in, in game, like mini game. That's right. Oh yeah. Interactive and, things are really fun. Yeah. Yes. Like the more your players can see, even though it is like theater of the mind, as we've talked about previously, where you're like imagining things, the more visuals that you can aid your players with, the, the more immersed they're going to be. Oh, yeah. yeah, everything you incorporate into the campaign, as long as it builds upon the world, is going to help them. It's going to help them picture what you are picturing, kind of. Um, I always and uh, like voices for the DM, like you're going to be voicing a lot of characters, uh, supposing that you have NPC characters, which hopefully you will. Um, you're going to be using a lot of different voices. Like some people, they can they can do the voices. I am not one of those people. I can't. I but I will change like the optics of my tone and I will like change how I talk and that kind of a thing. I don't know. You've um, done a good job with doing some different voices in this campaign. Yeah, I you, try, like I try to, but like most of the time it's just like a it's just like oh hello, you know, like shit like that. Like, like it's not my like my voice goes a little bit softer like, when it's a female. I am the you know, I don't do that shit. But <laughs> <laughs> then, I, then there's me over here with God. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. German weird, slash like, Swede. Yeah, my weird like Swedish German cross accent. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like all of those. So like, just being a DM, you don't have to have those voices. Um, people will kind of understand and get what you're trying to drive, uh, whether you voice your characters with an accent or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you're not comfortable with it, you don't have to do. Voice it. acting is not at all necessary. You can use it. It's great for immersion, but it's not needed. <laughs> no, especially yeah. for like a first campaign yeah. sort of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say once you have your session zero, um, you are probably ready to roll. Yeah. You're probably ready to guide your, your group on the, the adventure of their lives. At Math. that point, at that point, notes, 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 notes. You should probably have more notes than your players when you are dming because one especially it's if you're if you're voice acting like i tend to you will forget the voice of that npc in two weeks you <laughs> oh, yeah. will forget how you did that you will absolutely need to note down what accent what voice you were using for that when your players make a decision that is not necessarily uh, morally positive you need to note that down oh, because yeah. it will affect them later. <laughs> oh my god! If they I, say, "Hey, I know this person from this thing," da da da, and you allow it, note it down because they're gonna need to remember it later. <laughs> yep, and be aware too. You're gonna hit roadblocks as DM too. You're gonna like at some point you're gonna hit several times. You'll hit like a spot where like the character, the players are at a certain place, and you're like, "How do I get them to move?" Or how do I? drive the next big event to back occur. to those notes oh yeah. yeah you can go back to the notes um a lot of times what i do is i during like work or my free time um i listen to music that kind of accents the tone of the campaign and then that sparks ideas in my head as i'm working and Ooh. i will jot those ideas down and like a couple of times like i won't let these guys read this but i mean sometimes <laughs> i make giant pages of notes that? on like a backstory or a plot point um and i'll just write that down and then that way i have somewhere i want us to go eventually and we can get there any which way Mm -hmm. but i want us to get to some kind of path i've started getting inspiration for uh side quests and plot points from memes D &D memes (laughs) oh my gosh 
Um, really? that's, that's fun. Um, like you, but basically like you can literally find inspiration for what you want to do anywhere, but the thing that's going to keep your party most included is stuff that's connected to the campaign. So like listening to music, that's kind of the tone of the campaign, like that's going to probably spark an idea that's going to still be within the realm of the campaign. Looking back at your notes that you have, that's, these are the things that the players have done. These are the mistakes they've made. Da, da, da. That is you know something that you can utilize like what i had said previously like oh yeah. they're wandering through the town and the butler who's the only person who would have cared that they left is trolling through the town too like james where have you been right now we have a problem because he's got to figure out how he's going to deal with that mm-hmm. yep. especially and- if it's someone who cared about him and he cared back now he's not going to be like up oh, just kill him and run because he cares about this person so now you have to figure out like are you going to deny it are you going to try and disguise yourself as someone else you're going to try and avoid him are you going to just deal with it like what are you going to do from here yeah the nice part about being dm with your players is that they're they're going to put you in a lot of positions to be creative and they're going to make you like have to create like like they're going to do things to the npcs that you're going to have to (laughs) adapt to that you're going to have to (laughs) these guys are laughing because they (laughs) Because I remember the one shot on Philip's birthday a couple of years ago. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we had a we had when a you kid. guys bullied my guard child. Yeah, there was a, there was a kid of the guard that... of this of this town. He was standing at this gate, and he just had like this really poor outfit on. And and instead of being noble adventurers, our party shoved the poor kid to the ground and bullied him and spit on him and all this Philip horrible stole stuff. Stole his spear. Oh my they gosh. left the only guard to this city completely weaponless, and this this poor kid like i had very much explained that it was like this scared boy who had no idea what he was doing and he was like clutching a spear and his helmet was an upturned bucket (laughs) and they not like bullied him shoved him to the ground stole his spear spit on him and then moved on yeah it was it was uh just traumatized this poor npc <laughs> and it was literally just meant to be like it was essentially flavor text like i wasn't even trying to incorporate it into the campaign at all i was just like there's this kid guard standing at the gate and he looks kind of scared and he's like shivering and shaking and clutching his spear tightly and he's got an upturned bucket on his head and i was like okay they're gonna continue on or you know maybe somebody would be like oh my word you must be scared and like you know something like that no no these guys decided this kid was the one came over and them. today was his day <laughs> he he's going down no that was it was funny i was just like i'm like oh this is gonna be fun i'm gonna learn how uh philip and like these other players are gonna like play and meanwhile philip just like goes up to the kid and is like chaotic chaos I'm just gonna steal <laughs> yeah. his spear and i'm like what <laughs> yeah yep um, yeah uh that's another note for new dms if you have any new players uh don't worry about what um like do worry but don't worry about what alignment they chose worry because <laughs> yeah. officially their first game they are more than likely going to play chaotic stupid <laughs> that's this, happening yeah it's it's a fact like yeah. most yeah. players their first game their alignment is chaotic stupid no matter what their alignment actually was now do note it because if you want to utilize chaos like if you do want to utilize alignments later make sure that whenever they do something let's say they went oh i'm a lawful good and then they decide they're just gonna attack somebody for absolutely no reason this is very prominent for paladins what was your alignment again oh i'm a lawful good you're now a lawful neutral 
Right. Yeah. Like you've just taken a step in the wrong direction because you're making bad decisions. That's a good way to kind of point out that their actions are not savory and that they're going to come back to bite them without directly saying it. Yeah. I think you've done that once. I, I, yeah, I've kind of steered away from the alignments mostly because personally, like having an alignment is more so it's, it's mostly flavor text. It really is more so like. If or like you, a compass to guide somebody yeah. to how they should act. But like but. there, there's usually like three types of players. There's players that choose an alignment and then just do whatever the fuck they want without actually having any like connection to that alignment whatsoever. That's kind of me. There's players that <laughs> choose an alignment and then they hyper focus on that alignment for making decisions. And then there's players that choose an alignment because their dm said so but they really don't care so i, I kind of feel like nothing. i've been that before and like I've honestly been, yeah. like I've been that a lot personally i don't think the alignments matter that much unless nah. you're actually trying to run like a good karma system or something yeah mm-hmm. yeah something that's really gonna play into like doing good or bad bad shit like yeah I mean, mostly there, bad shit <laughs> there are some items that you could either put in or that do exist that do you know base things on alignment um you know like i uh, in uh critical role they had a uh an item that based on your alignment depended you know what kind of effect this item had on you so if you were any kind of good alignment then you felt absolutely horribly sick if you came anywhere near this item because it was an evil item. So right. you had to be neutral or worse to be able to stand it. <laughs> There's also some spells like, uh, I forget what, the Shroud yeah. of Spirits or there's something like of, that. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, cleric spells that are that, are that way. Yeah. Um, so like if you are a... Right, like Spirit, Spirit Guardians. Guardians. If yep. you're a the Spirit Guardians, good or neutral, the then they're angelic. If you're evil, then they're demonic. Mm-hmm. Um guardian of faith actually displays your god's uh symbol on the shield of the guardian yep um so that was actually something my character for a long time in the first campaign that i played he kind of tried to hide because he was he was a good character but he had a an evil god that he (laughs) and so he like he tried to hide it because he was like (laughs) uh like I'm kind I, of ashamed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's like, uh-huh. so like he never wore the symbol of the god anywhere, and he didn't cast spells that did it. So like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and wow. then there was, did not. Uh... <laughs> there was one day that he was like, "I need this." He summoned Guardian of Faith, and I went, "Okay." And everyone in the party would now realize, if they know anything about gods, that the symbol upon this shield is the <laughs> god of lies and deception. Right. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, and this whole actually... time he's been like taking up a leadership role in the guild and Ooh. he's been yeah and he was a lawful good so he's like it's not a good look and like nobody nobody paid any attention to it and i was like okay but that would actually raise a lot of red flags for a lot of people if i'm a cleric devoted to a god of lies and i've been taking up leadership roles and shit and doing all this other stuff and people depend on me like that's not a good look <laughs> I I actually learned this quite a bit from playing King that usually uh, players don't really think that another player is gonna do anything bad or like or like evil or gonna do unless something they against. allude to it. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, unless they allude to it. But even then, it's still like 
it's still really hard for them to actually uh pin that yeah because like i would be doing like sketchy stuff and nobody would like double think or anything like that no you'd just be like you'd be over in the corner just time to do some sketchy shit do da <laughs> do da and everybody'd be like oh what's king doing oh okay cool see ya <laughs> seriously <laughs> well guys i i wish we could keep talking but it's only we're only we have about 10 minutes left okay so let's let's do some final thoughts on what we think people should really know and Leif, if you could i want you to think i want you to think of something that you think really helped you out as a player that a dm did or like that a dm could do to make your experience more enjoyable so for me i think i think that as a dm not worrying so much about directing your players and worrying about when those improv situations are going to come up and kind of right riding the waves going with the flow um because it's going to get a lot easier the further you the further you you do your improv the more you act on a whim um and the more you make jokes and you have fun with your players just having fun is a huge one um that's why i'm going to title this episode dms deserve to have fun too oh Uh, that's a good one that's going to be our title that's an excellent title um because we do you do dms yeah you're running the campaign for the players um but you as a dm especially deserve to have fun so have fun with your campaign that's my number one yeah no it's it's supposed to be a team effort yeah like between the player and the dm so that's kind of following along the same lines i think the the phrase to glean from this more than anything is as the dm the story is your players it is your player's story you are the the facilitator so while you have the one you like you're creating the you know the story you're going through things you're just putting out bullet points they're the ones who are fleshing out the story you are like you as the dm create the storyboard you have the 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 plot points the the ideas for the book you're the beginning of the writing process for the book your your players their characters are the ones who are writing this story yeah i think i'll i think i'll illustrate it pretty well because in my campaign i have i have where i want you guys to go and i have like these these the villains and i have I have the key moments and I have the big plot points, but really I don't really know where the story is exactly going to end because you guys are actively shaping it. It's kind of like it's kind of like shaping a timeline. There your players are the ones that are kind of the ones walking around causing events to happen and like when an event happens, that's continuity. Mm-hmm. So they really do shape the story even if you have a story you're going to tell. I I have a story I'm going to tell. Um, and you all play a part, but you also shape that future of your own in that story. And that's, I think that's what you, that's also what you're saying is like your players have a story of their own characters that they are shaping. And you as the DM, you provide the, the timeline for them to write. You're you're the one, yeah, you're the one who's kind of, basically your, your job is just to give them explanations and rulings on what they're trying to do and to you know come up with the creative you know bits and pieces but ultimately everyone's going to have more fun when they're just going hey we're going to go do this and you go okay and you just throw them some way to do that Mm -hmm. yeah all right then my tidbit to players because this is what i learned like all the way from the beginning of doing this is you just have to keep an open mind like, even though, like, the DM is doing everything for you and making the whole world 
it is awesome and it is really fun but you got to understand that the dm has certain things that are permanent to their story as well and it's nice (laughs) to understand that and sort of you know being open-minded about these things you can flavor what your character's doing to sort of dance around those things and actually create something very beautiful when it's both you and the dm sort of playing around with your own two things and your own two ideas which i find really cool and then also another thing never be afraid of talking to the dm Yep. It's yeah, we've touched on that a few times like, too. If Just you like have in any relationship, yeah. any kind of <laughs> yeah, connection, okay. whether it's romantic or otherwise, DM player relationship is the same thing. Communication, communication. You guys gotta talk to each other. And like, yeah, like they're they're open. Like they want they want to listen to you. They want to listen to your point of view. Yeah, I don't think any DM is gonna run a campaign and and not want you to have your way. <laughs> Oh, that's, like if, that's never usually the case unless it's crazy. If yeah, if a DM does not want to hear what you have to say, I you shouldn't be in that game. Like honestly, it's yeah. there it's only like the game is probably only for their own amusement and you will not have fun. At that point they should just write a book, not run a campaign. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> like that's yeah, sometimes not... that is the solution. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you're not made to to yeah. work with other people. Sometimes you really should just make your own thing. And that can take sometimes some heartbreaking to find out. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not a bad thing if it's not like if DMing's not really a thing for you. Like, that's not an issue. Yeah. Just, you know, know your it. strengths. Mm-hmm. Play them. Well, this has been a really good, a really good talk. I, uh, I know we're probably going to do more of these later on down the road. They might not necessarily be tutorials. We might even just do d talk sessions um kind of just talking about our own campaigns or ideas that we have or yeah no this really was sure. this was really fun i i'm glad that you're here man thank you for coming on i no, hope that thank it's you been for fun. helping me like um, i absolutely like um separate from the podcast itself i really want to do an actual play with a couple of people so ooh. right yeah yeah that we sit down and we record and all that yeah we ooh. will we will. We just have to figure out logistics. Well, you guys have my number. <laughs> yeah, you'll yes, be there. Um, oh, believe me. Yeah, I've got. I'm like. I'm like trying to, f- trying to run it all through my head because I don't want to have more than three players for it. Just with an actual play, it's going to be a lot easier. Though. Oh no. So yeah, hopefully this gives you that credit on your project. Um, oh. Hopefully you'll get some. And uh, if you're listening to this, Leif's teacher, give him an A+. Plus. We love him. He's, he deserves it. Yes, Bobby, do it. Do it, Bobby. I love you. Leif, thanks for coming on, dude. We really appreciate you being here. Um, hopefully, we'll have some better equipment next time we have like somebody on and better chairs and whatnot to, got, to sit in. You got so, yeah, be- more than next, I have. Yeah, hopefully by the next uh, uh, guest, we'll have our studio mostly functioning and we'll be able to do this uh, at the big table. That would be big fantastic. Table. So. Um, anything anyone wants to say before we go, before we say goodbye? Love you all. That wraps it up. So everyone, me, Leif, and, and Kevin, thank you. We all thank you so much for, for listening to us this episode. We really appreciate it. Give us, uh, you know, the likes and follows on all the socials and, uh, yeah, do it. They're really cool. <laughs> we hope that you all stay safe, stay happy, and above all else, stay nerdy. We'll catch you in the next one. Have a good evening.